This podcast is brought to you by the CBD Hemp Farmers Market. Sunday, November 5th, join us in Burlington, Vermont for a -a first-of-a-kind pioneering groundbreaking event, the CBD Hemp Farmers Market. It's a farmers market for cannabis. We are going to have dozens of vendors there, people who are cultivating hemp and CBD, people who are making products, people who are processing, who are testing, who are extracting. If you are interested in cannabis, whether you're somebody who wants to get involved yourself, whether you're a consumer who wants to learn more about CBD products, you've got a family member who you want to introduce to CBD, this is a great way to do it and meet all the people directly involved. Find out more at www.headyvermont.com, the first ever CBD hemp farmer's market happening this Sunday, November 5th, 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. in Burlington, Vermont. We will see you there. Put your grinders down and turn your radio up. This is the Vermont to Wanna Podcast. Lighting up the airwaves. And now, here's your host, rolling it up nice and tight, Eli Herring. Welcome to the Vermont Awana podcast. We have got a special episode for you today. Very excited about this one. We had a chance to interview Shane Lynn. He is the executive director of Champlain Valley Dispensary and Southern Vermont Wellness. That means that he oversees two of Vermont's four medical marijuana dispensaries. We had a good conversation, talked a little bit about sort of his personal background. Uh, I've known who Shane was for a long time. It's a name that you've heard a lot in the Vermont cannabis community because he was really one of the first guys Um, to see what the possibility was with dispensaries to get involved, to work with the state, you know, and along with VPA, the Vermont Patients Alliance in Montpelier, they were the first dispensary to open. Uh, Big shout out to Mark Tucci, the godfather, the patient who was at the forefront of a lot of this, and who Shane actually credited as well. But, um, you know, along with VPA, Shane was right there at the beginning and ended up with two of the state's four licenses. So he is positioned right now Um, to expand. They have new satellite locations coming online in Middlebury. They're also working more on in South Burlington, uh, which I think is just all taking some time. They also run the series Natural Remedies stores as well. So uh, we do have an advertising relationship with series Natural Remedies. We do not have one with, uh, with any of the dispensaries right now presently, but in the future I would love to with all of them. Uh, but I did want to disclose that uh, because I would say that, you know, our conversation, I've talked to Shane probably more than, I, I mean, more than most other people in the media, um, I would suggest, and written more about cannabis than than anybody in the state. I think I can say that safely. And, you know, it's a really complicated issue, the way the dispensary program works in, in the state and the way the medical program works overall. And I think what you have to do a lot of the time is separate the individuals from the system. Because in a small state, um, in an issue like cannabis that's very personal to people, very passionate, especially medical marijuana where people's lives are literally on the line and their health and their well-being, um, it's very passionate. It's easy for things to to get personal. It's easy for people to kind of create these characters, uh, whether they're heroes or villains. And, you know, like most other things, it's not black and white. Nothing ever is. So, you know, we talked a little bit about the system, and I think what I wanted to do with this was sort of give a spotlight and, and give a little bit of perspective from, you know, Shane's point of view with what it's actually like, the kind of things that you have to think about running a dispensary, uh, what it was like, you know, seven, eight years ago when they started this process, uh, when they were engaging with the state, you know, and kind of, he even talked a little bit about some of the behind the scenes, you know, political activity. Um, talking to TJ Donovan, you know, in Burlington and being a Burlington guy, right? I mean, 
I don't know if anybody, you know, thinks Shane is a, is an out of state guy, but you know, he went to UVM. He's a Burlington guy, and uh, those connections I think helped him navigate what's a really tough landscape when you're think, talking about being the first to do anything, uh, especially in something that's federally prohibited. So, you know, this was not about kissing Shane's ass. This was not about trying to to spin everything that the dispensaries do into a um, you know perfect thing. I don't I don't have any involvement in their business operations and you know I don't really I'm not a I'm not a patient for any dispensary. So I'm not we weren't really gonna get into talking about products. We weren't gonna get into talking about you know employees or specific things like that. Uh, but we did talk a little bit about politics which I appreciated and a few big breaking news items came out of this. One I think the Ceres Natural Remedies store opening up in Burlington, having a dedicated store for CBD hemp products, Ceres Natural Remedies, that's going to be on College Street in Burlington, right across from the Archives, which is this awesome video game bar for everybody that's not in Burlington or hasn't been there yet. So having a CBD shop across the street from Archives is going to be very cool for those of us in town. And the other thing that Shane and I talked about that I thought was really noteworthy was the... Uh, the idea of a cultivator license and him saying on the record that dispensaries would be interested in purchasing medical marijuana that is tested and regulated from home growers. You know, I think it's taken a long time and there's been this oppositional time, oppositional relationship between uh, some home grow patients and dispensaries and, you know, advocates and dispensaries. You know, a lot of the frustration is should is well-deserved. Uh, and should be probably directed more at the system and the kind of constraints it's put on everybody. But in talking about this with, with Shane, um, I proposed the idea of cultivation licenses, which is something that's been going around in advocacy circles and that I'm personally going to be working hard on. Uh, and I thought that was really cool to hear him say that, you know, yes, dispensaries, if there was a way to do it, would be interested in buying wholesale from small producers, from small growers. Uh, providing more diversity to patients and getting more people involved. So, you know, I think that's another really big thing to take out of this. So, without further ado, my conversation with Champlain Valley Dispensary and Southern Vermont Wellness Executive Director. This is Shane Lynn. Uh, yeah, I was born and raised here in Vermont. Uh, for me, skiing was uh, was my life for a long time, all the way through college. I, um, you know, jeez, uh, I started uh, skiing in the Billy Bill Coke program, most likely. I think that was Nordic at the time, and uh, I ended up going to Stratton Mountain School. Uh, then I ended up going to UVM uh, to be a ski racer there. Um, and I had a great time, and I was captain of the ski team at one point there. And, and then I left and uh, graduated from college, and I got into coaching, actually. Then I worked at Green Mountain Valley School. Um, and then I got a job in the ski industry, which brought me out to Colorado. And I would say that that's kind of uh, where my interest in, uh, in learning about cannabis uh, started in the sense that uh, I lived out in Colorado for four or five years. Um, and, uh, and I actually then moved on to California for a little bit. That's where I started my photography. I went back to school to do some photography. I, I did that uh, schooling out in California uh, at a place called Brooks Institute of Photography. Um, and at some point, I felt uh, Vermont was really home, and uh, I moved back to Vermont. I started um, my photography business. I ran that for about probably a dozen years, uh, and I was involved in the outdoor sports world, ski world, outdoor adventure world. Uh, I also did Vermont Weddings, which was obviously it's a great business here in Vermont. Uh, and at some point in there, I started getting calls from my friends um, in Colorado and in California telling me about cannabis and, and how things were, were moving out there. And I was kind of a little bit in disbelief, like, wow, it's, it's, it's really happening. And um, it was such a different feeling 10 or 12 years ago about cannabis and even talking about it. Uh, I started then talking to people in Burlington uh, about medical cannabis and what their feelings were about it. And that's where having gone to school at UVM and having lived in Burlington, uh, most of my life at this point, that um, uh, I could talk to people that were uh, involved in some of the Baltics, and um, it started just, uh, one of those people was, uh, at that point was T.J. Donovan, who was um, Attorney General for Chittenden County, and I approached him and talked to him about uh, what, what his views were, and, and, 
hey, would you arrest me if I, if I did this? You know, and he said no. And it's a good. That's a good place to start, right? <laughs> make sure. Yeah, exactly. Make, make sure that's all right. And at that point, though, it was also, right. hey, what lawyers do I need to talk to, and how do I get involved? What's it look like getting involved? What does that mean? And um, and everybody basically said, yeah, you got to go to the state house and start talking to people. And that's where um, Mark Tucci, who I really consider the, uh, I don't know, the godfather or grandfather of, of cannabis in Vermont, uh, medical cannabis, he really was out in the front. I remember reading an article about him in seven days. And uh, lo and behold, I asked my stepbrother, hey, do you guys know Mark? Because <laughs> he lives down in southern Vermont where I, where I grew up. And uh, lo and behold, one of my stepbrothers did. said, yeah, I actually totally know him. And I help him with his uh, house chores and, and, and uh, et cetera. So, um, well, and that's how I first came to – and that's how I first, first came to know you. And, it's, and you know, it's, it's great to hear that. I know, I know Tooch would always, uh, would always appreciate that. And I, I credit him too because I think just – to rewind the clock, it's hard for people to imagine now. I think nationally, medical is approved at like 95%. But if you go back a dozen years, you know, and you go back really to 2000, I guess 2003 is the first time it came up and 2004 it passed. This is before dispensaries, but maybe just a little perspective kind of, you know, even the reception of medical that you guys were getting then. Because for the first few years, we did the state didn't even have dispensaries. I think people don't even realize that. And there were patient caps. So maybe just kind of paint a picture of what the atmosphere was like there, because it's probably hard for folks to imagine. Uh, yeah, I uh, go to the state house. Well, first, I started talking to my friends just uh, locally in Burlington. And, you know, everyone's like, yeah, that's nice, kind of. And, you know, whatever. Uh, and then go to the state house, and then you actually really meet people uh, like Mark and, and other patients that were using uh, cannabis, you know, and that they were having to buy in the black market. That's where I started to hear the story of uh, not only the success of it, but also just the, the nightmare of, you know, here's this, um, you know, here's this plant that has just really powerful uh, abilities to help people. Uh, but they're not able to find it. They're not able to, again, back to finding consistent strain or finding the strain that works for you. Um, obviously, quality and pricing is always a concern, too, on black market. Um, and even at the statehouse level, you know, just the representatives, it was, um, this was really a fringe thing at the time. And it, it has, it's totally gotten lost at this point because it, it, you know, and that part of that's great because, hey, this should feel like a natural, normal kind of business, you know, but uh, we all have to remember it's still federally illegal and uh, obviously the climate that we're in right now, things could change tomorrow. Well, and I, and I say so. it too because I think, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a millennial, right, and, you know, I've been doing this two years, which is, is nothing in the, in the scheme of things. You know, and I know that a lot of especially younger people who are who are drawn to it and who are paying attention more now, you know, it's a, it's important to realize that perspective of how far the policy and the understanding really has come. And, you know, a lot of it has just it's taken time and it's taken building trust and, you know, doing things the long and <laughs> sort of measured, measured, measured approach a lot of the time. Um, yeah, well, uh, one of the uh, kind of the mantras at the state house is, uh, you know, let's not be like California. This is we don't want to be like the Wild West. And one of the uh, things I remember also, and uh, this is when the dispensary bill was starting to be drafted, and I was sitting in the committee meetings, and um, you know, I, I remember even, <laughs> I remember the chair even saying, "Is there anybody here who wants to do this?" You know, and uh, and I was sitting between a plainclothes officer and a state trooper. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I raised my hand. I said, "Yeah, I do." Yeah, and um, it was uh, it was a little frightening to do that at that time, you know. And um, and back to at that time, what was also going on was Montana. It was totally blowing up at that point, and I think maybe they had twenty, thirty thousand people signing up, and there was a very clear. Uh, uh, thinking at the state house, we don't want to be like Montana. We're, we're you know, this is not going right. to. We're not doing that, you know. And so, how do we draft this bill that is well regulated, gives access to people? Uh, how do you formulate something like that? And 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 I think you know there were a lot of things that were. Uh, like the thousand person limit on the dispensary bill. That was a really strange thing to see, but it was also something that, hey, without it, the bill wasn't going to pass because right. people were that afraid uh, at that point. And then credit to the state house for saying, you know, when we came back next year, 
there was the thought of, of course you're back again asking for more, but we were like, no, you know, uh, there needs to be some changes to the program, and this thousand-person limit is really, it's not serving Vermonters at all. And, and they heard that, and they removed it, which was great. And so, um, you know, just the process of government, it, it is a process. It does take time. Another example for I mean, right Dick, now, you know, we, we talk, like, here for the for the Vermont listeners, like, you know, Senator Sears, who is now a champion, I mean, his his name used to come up with a bunch of expletives in front of it. You know, and it's it's great to see, and, and it is credit to them for foreseeing that that evolution. And like you said, I, I think it's important to give context because the framing of that of the program, you know, and even sort of where it's housed with DPS has been really conservative and that we did not, you know, initially the thought was to not be like those other states that had more open programs and that, you know, now as things evolve, it is taking that comfort that's been building, you know, sort of, sort of branching things out a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah, you that, know? and you know, there, of course there's frustrations in there that are expressed and that are legitimate, too, on just how long things do take. Uh, like, I remember um, back to the DPS and then the website and going to find out information, you know, you would, this was about, for me, going to find out information about the application process the first time around. And, and right next to that, going to the marijuana site, you're you're right below the, uh, the sex offender registry. <laughs> And you just kind of get a feeling like, wow, this is uh, this is weird. Why is it why is it here? You know, can we change this? Right. And uh, you know, it, it, you know, guess what? Uh, this year they changed that. It took five <laughs> years or four years, but they did it. And, right. And it's getting to people. It just takes people really. Uh, you know, you can't push them to change. You kind of got to. Uh, show how the program has worked, let them understand it, let them start to hear from family and friends about the success that they're having with using cannabis for their symptom relief. And they get there and they start to open their eyes to, wow, this this is has the potential to be really helpful for people and it's genuine. Well, and and I, I think that's helpful. So. I, I, I do I, I agree and I know that, you know, in advocacy, you know, it's it's personal it's stories and it's a lot of the time not until people have a personal experience, you know, that that kind of helps them shake out of that. And you know, I want to talk about the education because you guys have been restricted with the kind of advertising you can do for for a while. Um, you know, and that'll that'll change in the near future and there are, you know, a lot of other actors who are kind of coming into the game now that are changing things, but I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of the outreach that that you guys do because I think that, you know, the average patient in Vermont is someone in there, I've heard you say it, I've said it, I've seen the statistics, it's someone in their mid to late 50s dealing with chronic pain. You know, and I want to know with something that is so unique like this, um, where you're reaching a specific demographic and you've got to share stories and really break a lot of um, misinformation hurdle, right, to be heard, kind of. How are you guys able to to do outreach? How do you how do you do education um, to potential patients and you know especially reaching those those demographics? Whether it's talking to older folks about you know replacing painkillers or um, you know C- CBD products maybe, but kind of wanted to ask a little bit about outreach and how you have done that traditionally and how now um, you're able to do that and, and get more people aware of the system and how to become patients. Um, it, it's the, it's been one of the biggest, um, uh, I guess just, uh, focus, one of the larger focuses for us over the years. And, and we've learned how to, how to do it though. In the beginning, um, it was, you know, trying to get into doctor's offices and knocking and calling people and saying, Hey, we'd like to talk to you about cannabis and the medical program. And that, uh, again, back in the, you know, back in the beginning of the program, there were a lot of people, oh, we don't have time for that, you know, we don't have time, we're not interested, you know, and, and there was some, some frustration in there, and I would uh, then give kudos to the patients uh, in that first year or two of, of them expressing themselves to ha- their healthcare professionals and their family and friends, and, you know, like kind of being loud about it. Um, and then, you know, there was started to be a shift at, you know, UVM Medical and at some of those smaller regional hospitals. And so we go, I'd go, uh, and we now have a person that does outreach for us. Uh, Ada does a great job. And back to going to the doctors and uh, all healthcare professionals and sitting down, doing, your, you know, basically running through the program and saying, this is how the program works. These are the products. And, and not 
just pushing our own dispensary, but pushing, the, you know, making awareness of the program. That's the most important thing from my aspect is how do we make people know about cannabis and, and what cannabis is, what it has the potential to do. You mentioned CBD as well. So, you know, this gets really confusing to people, THC, CBD. How do you start talking to people about that? They only have, doctors are busy people. They only got so much time in a day. And so how to highlight uh, the facts to them and and get them to be at least curious on saying, all right, yeah, follow up with me, please. Send me more information. And so we've we've done that kind of in-person thing over the years. Uh, And then recently, you know, like last year, we started, um, we had a group called Vermont Cannabis Trades Association. And it was really something I started as more of thinking ahead to legalization and thinking about all the craftspeople that would want to be, uh, you know, the trade of cannabis. Because you look out west, uh, there are so many different uh, industries or uh, arms to the industry, and I would imagine those would all be here in Vermont as well. And so how could we start to have that discussion about, you know, these trades that are, are coming this way? Uh, last year, though, we saw it as an opportunity to use VCTA, though, as getting outreach, using it uh, to promote the program. And like you said, we're not allowed to advertise. And we went to the state house this year to say, hey, can, can we advertise? Uh, they, they basically uh, didn't, they, they didn't change their minds on it, said no. Uh, there is that talk. I think even Senator Sears said it. He's like, hey, someone's going to sue us at some point uh, to say this is unconstitutional and we can't advertise. Um, and for us, the advertising, it's not, you know, we want to stay away from, hey, whatever it might be, $99 uh, products and pricing. And, and for us, it's really about how do, you, how do you get the information out about the program and make people, Vermonters, aware of right. their, their right to, to ask to use cannabis. Like, it's there for you. You just have to ask your healthcare professional. And, and if they say no, how do you find another healthcare professional to have a legitimate medical relationship, you know, a bona fide patient uh, doctor relationship um, so that you can try cannabis. And back to one thing I've, you know, it's not for everybody. That's, you know, uh, it's not, it doesn't work for everybody, but for some people it's really successful and it allows them to not only live their lives differently, but reduce their intake of traditional pharmaceutical drugs. Well, and I think that's, I I think that's something that has been a milestone, you know, and especially with having severe and and chronic pain uh, codified into the laws is the very basic equation. And it seems like as the public discourse evolves, we're at a point where people are now saying, I would like to replace pills with plants. Right. And it's not even necessarily that, you know, cannabis is, is amazing and it's going to be a cure all, but you know, and that opioids are, are the devil and they're, they're awful. You know, I think just on that very basic meta level, people are coming back around to this idea of, of natural medicine and, and replacing plants with, or sorry, replacing pills with plants. Um, and I see that that's gained traction amongst individuals, but you know, we're seeing in the news this week as we're talking in mid October, you know, reports about the Vermont Medical Society, who um, I've been working on this, you know, they're going to affirm they've had the same position opposing medical cannabis since 2002, <laughs> which they are going to reaffirm. Um, and I know they're opposed to larger, larger legalization. So, you know, it seems like, and I think that just takes a lot of time, um, but that there is opposition from, and it's not every doctor and probably not most, to be honest, but you know, we had a provision in Act 65, our latest medical reform, that would have required one hour of training every two years, so 30 minutes a year. And the Vermont Medical Society were very happy to have that struck from from the law. Um, and so I wonder if specifically, because we know that's sort of a logjam in this process, is physicians are not comfortable despite the language that we have in our laws. So kind of how can we speed things up as far as a, a physician thing or... Is it just kind of the nature of the profession with these conservative, educated people who Dr. McSherry calls them calcified <laughs> sometimes? Um, is it just take time? Because that seems to be the bigger, the biggest part of the equation is that you know healthcare providers are really nervous, even with all the protections in place, to to get on board. Yeah, I think that's their nature. Uh, you know, it's almost uh, you know part of the process with medicine. And, uh, and for me, um, it's really important for us to continue the outreach to engage with people. Um, you know, the, the, yeah, there's frustration on uh, on that level of um, you know whether or not people are open to to hearing this information to. 
Um, you know, back to even working on studies. We're trying to do another uh, study this winter that will be published. Uh, again, h- how to get this information to the folks so that they can they can believe the, the science of it as well. Um, and I think that, you know, it's like where it really needs to start in the healthcare profession is in, in, in the medical schools. You know, and obviously UVM has a medical school. And it would be great for them to start teaching. And I think it's starting to happen. I know that, you know, there's some people that do have some courses offered. But how do you get it part of the curriculum? And then even with a curriculum that, you know, says this is what we know and here are the things that we don't know. That would be a great start if, if all the medical uh, students were at least getting that. Like, here, here's what we know up to this point. Here's all the unknowns. And, and at least, okay, great, we're aware of the unknowns now. And it would just, it, you know, back to planting a seed for these medical students. It would make them aware of what is happening. And to hear it from an institution, I think it would be important. And that's something I hope that conversation is going on. Um, you know, at UVM and other medical schools, um, so that we can move forward. You know, obviously, you look to Israel right now; uh, they have a lot of research and development going, um, and hopefully, some of that's going to start coming this way and, and reinforcing what we know and, and the experiences I have with talking to, to patients uh, that are using cannabis. And for me, back to hey, may it be family or friends that have used it for for their own health. Um, you know, I, I I've been witness to it's its successes and, and that's why I got into it um, because of the power of this plant and what it can do and back to that whole other picture that we haven't really talked about and, and it's health and it's eating and wellness and how do you um, really engage on that level and people become a part of their own healing process uh, you know and obviously the food that you put into your system is, is really important uh, you know, as simple as, you know, if you've got inflammation, there are, there are foods that you shouldn't eat that, that will, you know, that will uh, make your inflammation go down. And, and how do we get to that level of uh, communication with our patients as well? That's one of the things that we're wanting right. to move towards is a bigger picture of not just, oh, here's cannabis, but here are some of the other things that are really important to your own wellness and, and get people a part of um, their health and, and potentially healing themselves. There's a lot of power in healing yourself, but it also takes a lot of focus uh, and time. That's one thing people forget, I think, is when people are ill, uh, it's really hard um, to find the energy to do these other things because they're so uh, concerned and stressed about their their well-being. Right. You can see that sometimes at the state house, you know, and, hey, let's get a, let's get a patient to, to come in and, and talk, and it can be really... Um, stressful and challenging for patients to do that, not only their privacy, uh, but then if they have to take time off from work. and it, it, So there are a lot of things in here, and, it, and I think this is what creates a lot of the interest in, uh, that you're feeling, and you know, and I know a lot of Vermonters want to get into this industry, it's because it touches so many different things in our communities, um, and that people want to be a, be a part of that, yeah, well, which I think is great. I, I, I agree. And I think that's a great, it's a great way to put, like you said, just the sort of self, you know, um, you know, self-treatment and, and kind of to that, that point, you know, I think something that a lot of folks struggle with is everybody supports medical marijuana, but not everybody supports cannabis legalization. And when the plant is growing, it does not know if it's medical or recreational. It's, it's a plan. And, you know, we are, the only thing that differentiates medical versus recreational is, what we say you're allowed to use this for, right? We as, as individuals um, and as a society and I guess more importantly legally right now, um, which, you know, begs the question of the bigger, the bigger question of legalization, you know, and of all adult use where cancer is, you know, and MS are legitimate medical uses, but, you know, um, insomnia that comes from joint pain, you know, because you had a double knee replacement does not count as, as medical, you know, and therefore is more difficult. And this is a long way to get into the question of sort of what's the relationship of medical going to be as legalization comes, sort of what's your and, and you know, the medical programs and the dispensaries sort of orientation towards legalization. Um, you know, it's something that I think will obviously will obviously benefit the dispensaries and benefit the medical system. But I'm wondering, you know, do you think that medical stays totally different from adult use as things evolve in Vermont? Would you like it to? 
Um, and then kind of what involvement, you know, if any, do you guys have, there's, there's certainly enough going on in medical to keep you busy in Montpelier, but you know, what involvement in med in, in adult use, um, you guys might, might have or kind of position for the future. Yeah. Uh, those, those, are the, <laughs> those are the things we're constantly thinking of, uh, about too. And, you know, you kind of start looking at all that stuff and there's so many unknowns, uh, within all those questions. And so, you know, back to medical, right? You know, right off the bat, it's like the dispensary experience is really important on the medical side. Back to recognizing working with people that have uh, illnesses and and how to engage with them, and and then back to what are you, what products are you offering them? I think there has the cannabis science, uh, uh, cannabinoid science uh, grows here. The formulations of the products are going to be really important, and I think uh, that's where the CBD comes in, the CBN start talking about the acids as well and so how are you going to start to formulate some of these products which maybe don't give you the sensation that a adult usage person would want hmm. uh, and yet it's medicine for somebody and so in the adult market would a uh, you know, store sell that most likely not so okay the medical market is still a place for that on, on multiple levels and on the bigger picture of okay the medical market is never going to be um, bigger than the adult market in Vermont or anywhere, you know, and and so how does that subset of an industry survive? Um, and then you get into the rules and regulations and the cost of those rules and regulations and the license fees and and so w what's the the playing field uh, that the medical and adult usage is going to be on? And my hope, you know, and push has always just been let's have a level playing field and that we are looking at adult usage because. Uh, we've been doing this for five years now and, and have the knowledge and experience, and we want to be a part of that bigger picture as well. Um, and one reason is that it can help us support the medical program and help us do our R&D that we want to perform. And, uh, and then the structure of, you know, of, of the company itself right now, we're a nonprofit. Last year, the state allowed us to turn to a for-profit. Um, which we're still going through the process of, of <laughs> learning about all the pitfalls of you know learning from lawyers and CPAs and um, and if we ever get to the other side of being a for profit, all right, um, you know what are what what are we what are our goals? You know, one of them is most definitely medical, and and the other one has to be we're looking at adult usage um, because it will be potentially 10 times bigger than the medical market here in Vermont. And so how do we participate in that? And uh, I don't I don't have any notion that we could potentially, the amount of product that's going to be needed to, to support the adult market is immense. And I think that's where additional, you know, craftspeople, growers, uh, dispensary, all, all forms of the trades of the cannabis industry uh, need to be allowed to, to prosper here in Vermont at some point. It's just how do you get there, and, right. uh, and I think I think the slow process of which I've gone through with the dispensary program over the years is just it adapts has worked, and I know that it's been slow uh, and it for, for too slow for certain people. Um, but back to that bigger picture of how do you bring everybody along, including the communities, including the state house, including the DPS, the state troop, how do, you know, the medical professionals. How do we all arrive at a place that, that really works for Vermont? And you can look to Maine, you can look to Massachusetts and, and, and watch what's going to happen there. Uh, and so how do we learn from that? But we got to get in at some point so that we can start um, – kind of uh, drafting and yeah and I, you've seen that you've been there you've witnessed it they're starting to draft stuff and it's like but how do you get the full support of, of the whole state house and well and i want to i want to ask you because it seems you know i've 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 kind of started floating this idea of you know a cultivator license where some small vermont producers um could be formally licensed by the state could have their product tested and could, in the shorter term, start selling wholesale to the dispensaries. This is something that would give you know you guys more supply and diversity, give people a, a legal way to access the market, and maybe start preparing for that bigger picture. Is is that something you can imagine happening in in Vermont through the medical program? Is a you know a small a small cultivator selling selling to dispensaries here in Vermont? Yeah, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, maybe it was a year ago, I, I, I 
I put that in uh, on my list of what I spoke at the committee and gave testimony. I suggested uh, that the ability to license additional uh, cannabis cultivators would be uh, helpful for, for the medical marijuana program. Um, for us, it's back to if there's a certain strain. Diversity strain is, t- is tough, mm-hmm. especially in our size market. How do you have the diversity of strains that everybody would like? And then back to the diversity, how do you have enough quantity of each of those strains to satisfy everybody? That, that's a real challenge. And so um, I think if there was the ability to license individuals and they had to go through the process of all the things that we've gone through, and, and I don't know what the license fee would be, but that's something for the state house to discuss, um, that we'd be interested in purchasing from them. Yeah. And, and saying, great, we can test your product, we can package it, we can sell it at the dispensary. You guys can focus on what you do really well, and, and maybe it's, you know, maybe you grow three strains, four strains, maybe you only grow one strain. I don't know. But that, uh, but it would have to start small as well. That's the, that's the one concern. If you look out to Washington and Oregon, you know, there are a lot of businesses that jumped in, and then and then there's oversupply of product, and then a lot of people go out of business, and or things get consolidated. And so, how to start looking um, and watching? I guess uh, you know uh, how to design a program mm-hmm. that can avoid some of these pitfalls because they're real. They're genuine. Right. And it's just like any business. Uh, there are going to be uh, people that succeed at it, and there are going to be people that fail at it. And so how, how does a program, uh, you know, take step by step and try to minimize the failures in there? Um, well, and I think you bring up I think you bring up the point of, you know, the health of the larger ecosystem, you know, and kind of how, how delicate it can be with all the different people who are not as familiar. I mean, you, you know, mentioned DPS and you know, sort of when there are disruptions to the to the system, um, you know, everybody's kind of in jeopardy, including people who are advocates and potential patients, because it, you know, it slows everything down. You know, every every incidence, every every bust, every whatever, um, is another reason for another lawmaker to you know press the brakes, um, which a lot of people don't want. But I wanted to kind of wrap up with sort of a snapshot, and, and thank you for. Um, again, for your time, this has been this has been really great. Um, I kind of wanted to give you know, as far as talking about evolution, a little snapshot update of where you guys are at now. Um, Burlington and Brattleboro, we have series operating, you know, selling CBD as independent businesses, and then also um, you know, looking at more satellite locations. I know you guys are getting into the testing and extraction game. Um, you know, and even have a way to work with people who are registered CBD cultivators in the state right now. So I thought maybe we could end with kind of a little snapshot of, of where things are at now um, and where they're moving to in the short term here. Uh, for sure. Uh, you know, obviously we're, we're here in Burlington and uh, we're opening up a new Cirrus Natural Remedy store on College Street, uh, which is really exciting. We're aiming for a December 1st opening. And it is going to be a store that just uh, sells CBD products. And, you know, we've already had these operating in uh, both our dispensary locations in, in Burlington and Brat. But and this new one on College Street is going to be bigger, a little more, you know, high profile. Uh, obviously, it's, it's going to be next to Church Street. Uh, so we're, we're super excited by that. Um, we're also talking and, you know, about our satellite location that's going to go into the Middlebury area. Uh, we're starting to talk to the town of Middlebury uh, about that and back to zoning and the DRB board, you know, just back to um, the <laughs> I can, process there. I can hear that sigh. That sigh, that audible sigh is a good indicator for people of the the real legwork that goes into op- opening some of these places. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, and I, I think that's part of uh, people have to remember that not every community uh, supports this, you know, and, and towns that you think would be, oh, yeah, they're just going to open up their arms and say, great, you're moving in, you know, and uh, it's not the case. What usually is the case is people say, like you said, put on the brakes, let's talk, tell us what you're doing, what's it mean, oh, tell us about the program. We've never heard about the program. We didn't know that, you know, that it's by appointment only. Uh, we didn't know that you had to get a card, you know, and so... Uh, usually, once you get all the facts to folks, you know, and they understand what's occurring, and then they talk to their family and friends, and and, and, and recognize that um, medicinal cannabis is helpful. Um, you know, I think things ease up a little bit, and so we're having those talks with Metal Bear right now. 
found a landlord that's uh, great, that wants us there. Uh, so that's obviously really helpful to have a landlord that's uh, open to it. And then all the requirements around that too, you know, a thousand feet from the school and, uh, you know, parking, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, and then in the near future, you know, they're back to Cirrus for us um, and offering CBD products to people. Uh, we plan on having that Cirrus store in Middlebury as well. We're talking to the other dispensaries uh, here in Vermont about, hey, could we potentially have a Cirrus uh, in the dispensaries that, that they're operating so that people can have access to really great brands of, of CBD products and, and how do we do that and how we potentially make it, uh, you know, back to Cirrus. You don't need a card to go into the store uh, at Cirrus and open to the public. And so how do you create this dynamic of, okay, we have a store open for the public, but then uh, next to it you have the dispensary, which requires, you know, basically uh, an ID card to get into. Um, so those are some of the things that we're trying to juggle right now. And then on the hemp side, connected to Cirrus is how do we promote uh, Vermont hemp, Vermont CBD products, and, and make those brands that people want to buy so that we're not uh, basically importing CBD. So, well, and I, I got to say, we, we appreciate you guys supporting our the CBD farmers market and the, and the Hemp Fest because I think everybody has that shared interest of growing that Vermont in-state capacity of, of CBD hemp and, you know, industrial hemp and the more people that are testing, extracting, and even yep. for you guys having a spot right there on College Street, um, that's great news. That's going to be so much education for so many people that... Um, you know, might not even be expecting to be educated on cannabis who are going to walk in there and, and have their mind blown. I hope that's, that's what we're hoping, you know, back to, uh, I think, 82, 85 farmers out there in Vermont right now. Um, we'd love to, you know, obviously test their products, uh, you know, making sure that it is hemp, uh, and then offering the extraction services. And, you know, uh, what, what, great, you got all this hemp. What are you going to do with it now, though? You know, and so in a way, everybody involved right now is building this market and, uh, and creating it. And uh, we're just really excited to be a part of that. And I think there's some, there's some great companies that are starting to form out there. And, uh, and it's just back to that Vermont work ethic. You know, put your head down, get it done, and uh, see what we can all do together. That interview was brought to you by the CBD Hemp Farmers Market happening Sunday, November 5th from 12 noon to 6 p.m. in Burlington, Vermont. We are putting this event on Hedy, Vermont. It's the first time we've ever done a farmer's market for CBD and hemp. We are going to have dozens of Vermont vendors, people who are cultivating, people who are making products, people who have retail stores, people who are selling online. It's going to be the best place to get plugged into the cannabis community, learn about what's going on with CBD, and also check out some of these awesome products that people are making. We're doing some big things here in Vermont in the hemp game. And it's not all just CBD. There's products. Hemp is one of the most, cannabis, I should say, is one of the most versatile plants on the planet. So we're hoping we're going to get some other folks there, not just CBD. But it's a great opportunity. Meet everybody in person. Come out. Check us out. The CBD Hemp Farmers Market, presented by Hetty Vermont, Sunday, November 5th in Burlington, Vermont. Get the details at HettyVermont.com. We will see you Sunday at noon. All right, I hope that you guys enjoyed our interview with Shane Lynn, Executive Director of Champlain Valley Dispensary and Southern Vermont Wellness, two of Vermont's four medical marijuana dispensaries. I really appreciated the chance to, to talk to Shane, to get Shane on record, to get a sense more of his, his own personal background. Um, as a Vermont guy, as a, as a UVM alum, as a, as a skier and ski racer, talk a little bit about kind of the history of the medical program in Vermont. One thing I think that everyone who knows anything about the medical marijuana program in Vermont, and this is probably everywhere, is that it's far from perfect, right? These programs all have serious, serious flaws, although nobody really complains about Maine. I gotta say, Maine is, is kicking ass over there uh, with their medical program, it's very open. But generally speaking, the medical marijuana programs in states, especially in the Northeast, are really still in their nascent stage, right? We do not even yet have the kind of, of numbers of patients um, representative of our population that a lot of other states have. There are a lot more patients soon to come. There are more dispensaries that will be opening up. There will be more competition. There will be more regulation and there will be things that we learn um, and, and policies that get adopted and changed. But one thing that you could kind of hear in Shane's voice was 
the perspective of this as someone who's been doing it for, I mean, probably almost a decade now. Um, you know, I heard Shane's name a lot back in the day when the medical program was just kind of coming online and then they opened up their dispensary. Uh, I believe it was the second in the state of Vermont. The Vermont Patients Alliance was the first one. But running a dispensary is extremely difficult under the best of circumstances. Uh, you have things like the IRS tax code to deal with and the 280E exemptions. You have to deal with state regulators who, you know, might not know anything about cannabis in general, let alone the, you know, sort of the nuances of regulating it, why things like plant counts matter. Um, and I think that, you know, it's also, it's been a process, you know, looking at how this has happened. I'm a millennial, all right? I'll cop to it. I'm 30 years old. I am technically a millennial, albeit a bald one. Uh, we want things to happen fast. You know, everybody right now, I think that's kind of American society. We want that instant gratification. And that's not how it works with cannabis reform. It has taken time. And all of us who are talking about it today are standing on the shoulders of people who were doing it five years ago, 10 years ago, 20, 30, you know, 50 years ago. If you can imagine the balls it took to be talking about this in the 90s and in the 80s, right now, medical marijuana, I think, is at over 90% approval rate nationally. That was not the case when guys like Mark Tucci were getting involved, when guys like Vinny the Mule, Vinny, I love you, man, one of the best guys I've ever had a chance to meet through, through the world of cannabis, uh, who have just directly done so much themselves. You know, guys like Shane Higgins, one of the original patients who had to suffer at Star Farms in a nursing home because the, they were so ignorant they made him go outside to consume his medical marijuana and then still called the police. This is something you can look up that actually happened. So we've come a long way and it doesn't happen without the participation of all these different people. And I think that was one thing that I, that I wanted to kind of take out of this was that, you know, dispensaries have played a role as well. They have a financial interest in that they are responsible for dispensing medical cannabis, but these are all people who put their professional reputations on the line, who have put a lot of money up on the line, who have spent a lot of time and energy lobbying, who have had to hear and deal with so much bullshit, you know, from the what about the kids crowd, from law enforcement. And it's happening, guys. It's happening. You heard one of the things we talked about in that interview was the idea of cultivator licenses, that you could have patients and caregivers and maybe even members of the public who can get licensed, um, have their cannabis tested, and then sold to the dispensaries on wholesale so they can get to a legal market. Most home growers I know and, and patients, you know, they, they want to sell at farm stands. They don't want to have extensive testing. They don't, you know, they, they do, they care about product quality and control, but, you know, they want it to be a more grassroots, and I think that we'll get there eventually. But in the short term, you know, if there's something that grassroots homegrown advocates can work with on you know alongside dispensaries and say look we all want more access for patients we all want patients to be able to grow more of their own we want better cannabis for patients we want lower prices and we want a more open system so we all agree on these things and i think that we can i think that we can get there together i mean it's not all going to be you know some kumbaya bullshit i'm not here to blow smoke up your ass and you know say that we don't all have the same strategies we don't all have the same priorities we all have very personal, you know, backgrounds that sort of guide how we how we go about these things and our own connections. But generally speaking, if you look at what either helps or hurts cannabis reform movements, when you have people who are proponents, people who are advocates, they want different things and they don't work together, it doesn't get done. Because guess what? It's very easy for the other side to say that this is bad for our kids, this is bad for society, this is bad for the roadways, blah, blah, blah. You've heard it all before. They are all speaking with one voice, and that voice often is the voice of a principal, um, of somebody who is a substance abuse counselor, of somebody who is a police officer who's in the same room as you, you know, wearing a badge and a gun, representing that public trust that we have. So it's a lot easier to be a cannabis opponent than it is to be a supporter. And again, we're not all going to agree on the priorities and the how we get there, or even, you know, what we want to do and what kind of system we want to see. But especially in the short term, I think that's one thing that came out of the conversation with Shane is that it's taken time and that in the short term, you know, if we're not harming each other, if we're not working against each other, I think we got a shot to get there. Um, and so, you know, it was cool to get some insight from Shane to have to have some history and, you know, again, to just share some perspective, I've known, I've known a lot of these people for a long time. I, I don't know Shane personally. 
I've talked to him, you know, a fair amount in the state house. I've seen him out there advocating. I know a lot of his staff, and same thing with all the other dispensaries. But, you know, these are people who have been in the game for a long time. I've been doing this full time myself personally for two years, and that seems like a long time in my short life. Uh, however, you know, I'll come back to the millennial thing. It, it takes time. And Vermont politics, the way the system is set up, we do not have referendums because it's meant to take time to have deliberative policies, to have those discussions. So I'm confident we'll get there. And I appreciated the chance to talk a little bit to, uh, to Shane and sort of pull back the curtain and let everybody else get a little taste of, of him and what that experience is like opening these dispensaries and opening the series shops. Like I said, we don't have any sort of financial relationship with the dispensaries. Um, you know, like I said, I don't know all these people personally, you know, some of them a little bit better than others, but we do have a relationship with Series Natural Remedies. Uh, they have been supportive of us. You know, that's why I rock with them as far as them being the number one place in Burlington to get CBD products, to get hemp. They got Vermont stuff on the shelves. And when it's time to do Hemp Fest or to do the CBD farmer's market, we call and they're down to collaborate. Right, so I, I do give Series Natural Remedies the plug um, and the CBD, and it was cool to hear that they're going to be hitting even more primetime location in Burlington at College Street. For those of you who are listening in Vermont and know it well, it's right across the street from the Archives, which is a kick-ass video game bar uh, right in downtown Burlington. For those of you that don't know, suffice it to say it's primetime, and that a lot more people who are tourists in Vermont are going to encounter CBD. And the more people talk about cannabis, the more they get familiar, the less it's stigmatized, the less fear there is, the better it is for all of us. So I'm happy for Ceres getting a primetime spot, you know, right up there on College Street. Uh, and I look forward to our CBD hemp farmers market. So make sure you're out there on the 5th. Stop by, say hi to me, uh, meet the Ceres team, meet everybody who's going to be around there. It's going to be a very cool scene. And make sure that you subscribe, rate the podcast. Download it, tell your friends, share it. We put it on HeddyVermont.com. You can sign up for the Sunday Stash. Sorry, just the Stash now. Uh, that's our weekly newsletter. If you want to get all this stuff in one place at one time and catch up on the cannabis news, it's not just Vermont. We cover all the Northeast. Go back and listen to that Nikan uh, road trip episode that we did last week. And again, stay tuned for next week because we have got some banging interviews in the pipeline. I am so pumped. Uh, I'm going to kick Uncle Drew back to next week. We talk about Vape Dad Lifestyle. He is the most illustrious co-host. And we had a really fun conversation talking about sort of a little bit about parenting and cannabis. Um, we had some fun. And then I've got a couple huge musician interviews coming up. Uh, the first one I'll tell you about directly. It's with West End Blend. They are a kick-ass New England soul funk band. They're going to be coming up to Burlington. I want to say it's, I want to say it's December 2nd. I'm going to double check again. Uh, but we had a chance to talk to one of their band members, uh, shout out to Mike, a little bit about their tour, life on the road, uh, what they're going to do up here in Burlington and the music itself. So go check them out. Make sure you subscribe and download. We'll be doing this every Sunday night. We're going to keep it going, keep growing it. And until then, elevate the state. Yeah! For the first time, it's going down history, baby. New 3-6 Mafia, featuring a